It was a wagon train of pioneers making their way from St. Louis to Oregon on the famed Oregon Trail. And being devout Christians, they had the practice of stopping on Sunday and not traveling and observing the Sabbath and resting that whole day. But as winter began to approach, some in the group became fearful that they wouldn't get to their destination between, before those winter snows began to fall. And so some people in the group said, well, they should abandon the practice of the Sabbath for a while and stopping to rest, and they should just keep going seven days a week. No one could agree on what to do. People were divided. So a decision was made to split into two groups. And there would be a group for those who wanted to stop and rest on the Sabbath, and the other group would keep on traveling and keep on going seven days. And so that's what happened. And do you know that the group that stopped every week and kept the Sabbath arrived at their destination first? Why? Because the people and their horses and their animals were more rested and able to go farther those other six days. You know, the Sabbath makes sense. Usually what God creates and God ordains does. The past six weeks, we've been paying attention to the Sabbath, what it is, how we can do it, what it can do for our lives and bless us. We've come to understand the Sabbath is a command of God. We read it's a command, not a good spiritual suggestion, not just some good faith advice, but something that God tells us to do as much as he tells us to have no other gods before him, as much as he tells us not to take his name in vain, as much as he tells us don't steal and don't lie. And we've seen how the Sabbath was vital in Jesus' life. He said, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are carrying heavy burdens, and let me show you rested souls. It was Jesus' custom, his habit. Every, in his world, Jewish world of Saturday, he would go to the synagogue and worship God. And Jesus did some of his best work on the Sabbath, didn't he? We read about it again and again. And on the Sabbath, he would heal, and he would free, and he would feed, and he would teach, and he would encourage people. Pursue what's good. Pursue anything that gives life. And then this morning we read about one of those Sabbaths and how he set free a woman, a daughter of Abraham, he called her, who'd been miserable for 18 years. The prophets preached the Sabbath. Isaiah said that the person who keeps the Sabbath day is blessed. And if you keep the Sabbath day as a delight for you, it will bring you joy in the Lord and in that relationship. Jeremiah stood outside the gates of the city of Jerusalem as people were coming in and out. And he preached to people to keep the Sabbath, to lay down their burdens, to lay down their business and their transactions and whatever that kept them busy. And he said, do it for the sake of your lives. And we've seen that the Sabbath that we keep here on this earth and in this life, you know, it's only a sign, it's only a foretaste of a Sabbath rest that is yet to come in God's heaven where we will rest from our labors and we'll live with Him forever. 
Now, some of us have been familiar with keeping the Sabbath for a long time. We've done it. Some of us always knew, you know, there's something special about the day, but I just didn't know what it was. It's always been a restful day, a family day, but we didn't have that God dynamic. And then some of us are just discovering the wonderful gift from the Lord and learning how to celebrate it. And some of us still can't let go of our lives enough to trust that God will take care of things if we step away from our work and we take a break. Have you ever read Psalm 127? Is that familiar to you? If not, read it sometime. This is the way it begins. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Mark Buchanan wrote a book called The Rest of God. I've been quoting from it a little bit in these sermons on the Sabbath. I do it again this morning. And he says there is no rest for those who do not believe that God is good. And there is no rest for those who do not believe that God is in control and over all things. What we call his sovereignty, that God is sovereign over everything. If God works all things together for good for those who loved him who love him and are called to his purposes, you can relax. If he doesn't, start worrying. If God can take any mess, any mishap, any wastage, any wreckage, any anything, and choreograph beauty and meaning from it, then you can take a day off. If he can't, get busy. Either God's at work watching the city, building the house, or you need to try harder. And then he shares a poem. It's called Obedience. That's the name of the poem written by a a man who is remembering his experience in the farm community he grew up with one Sabbath morning when he was a boy. Were my parents right or wrong not to mow the ripe oats that Sabbath morning with the rainstorm threatening? I reminded them that the Sabbath was made for man And of the ox fallen into the pit. Without an oats crop, I argued, the cattle would need to survive on town-bought oats. And then it wouldn't pay to keep them. Isn't selling cattle at a loss like an ox in a pit? My parents did not argue. We went to church. We sang the usual psalms louder than usual. We and the others whose harvests were at stake. And the poem goes on to talk about how the pastor didn't hold back on the length of the sermon. Even as the storm was hitting outside and and those farmers were thinking about those fields and the, the branches were starting to come down and knock out the power line so that they ended that service in the dark, singing the last hymn without the organ. And after where everyone drove home from church, passing their fields where the oats had been flattened by the storm. And the author remembers his dad saying, that they are still going to mow the field, even though the yield is going to be only 10 bushels instead of the 50 bushels that it would have brought. They're going to take a loss. And the poem goes on. Later at dinner, Dad said, God was testing us. I'm glad we went. Those psalms never gave me such a lift as this morning. 
Mother said, I wouldn't have missed it. And even I thought, but did not say, how guilty we would feel now if we had saved the harvest. You know, it takes trust in God to practice Sabbath sometimes. And parents, our children learn from us how we live our faith and our devotion or whether we don't. You know, John Calvin, one of those who reformed the church several hundred years ago, he said that the Sabbath keeping is a way of living out our belief that we're not our own, but that we belong to God. And on the Sabbath, we cease to do our work so God can do God's work in us. Well, I know that I am a project for God. He's got a lot of work to do in me. 